Amen. Amen. It's good to be here. And this evening, take your Bibles to Genesis chapter 5, if you will. And I say I appreciate this church. I appreciate the ministers of this church. And I appreciate your pastor. I appreciate you people. I like coming in and recognizing faces and things like that. Of course, we got our start. We started our first year of Bible college here, the Bible college here. And we appreciate what uh, has been invested in us. And uh, I'm humbled to be here tonight. I'll say this, I appreciate all the singing that tonight, but I really enjoyed those young men singing. Most places you go, the young ladies are, are gung-ho about singing. The young ladies are re- very involved in the music of the church. Uh, very seldom do you see the young men get involved with the music. And I appreciate these young men. And I pray that they'll stay that way, amen, and continue to do the work of the Lord in their, in their all their days. Amen. Genesis chapter 5. If you've got your Bibles there, we'll stand when you get to that place, we'll read, and then we'll try to bring you the thought God's put on our heart, and again, we're so thankful to be here, and we want to help you. We don't want to hurt you at all. We want to help you, be a help Amen. to you, and, uh, and maybe God will give us something tonight. Genesis chapter number five, let's start reading verse number 18. The Bible said, and Jared lived 160 and two years, and he begot Enoch. And Jared lived after he begot Enoch 800 years and begot sons and daughters and all the days of Jared were 960 and two years, and he died. And Enoch lived 60 and five years and begot Methuselah. And Enoch walked with God after he begot Methuselah. 300 years and begot sons and daughters, and all the days of Enoch were 360 and five years. And Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. Help us pray. Father, we love you. We thank you, Lord God, for this night. Thank you for the good service that we've been in. God, we thank you for the song service. We thank you for the testifying of the saints. God, we thank you for every part of the service thus far. God, we come now to the time of the preaching of the word of God, and we need your help. And God, I stand here feeble and unworthy to be able to, uh, to stand here, and God, unable to stand here on our own. God, we could probably lecture a little while by ourselves, but it'd be a no avail. God, we could probably entertain for a little while by ourselves, but it would have no effect. But God, if anything will be done for eternity tonight, God, you'll have to help us. And I pray, God, that you would. I yield myself to you from the top of my head to the bottom of my feet. I pray that you'd unctionize us and anoint us to preach thus saith the Lord. And I pray that you'd do a work in the invitation hour. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. And amen, you may be seated. Thank you for standing for God's uh, reading of God's word. Genesis chapter 5, when we come to this part of our Bible, it's almost like walking through a graveyard. You walk through Genesis chapter 5 and you read the story of uh, Seth. He lived, had a son, lived some more, and died. Then uh, Enos uh, had uh, lived some years, had a son, lived some more years, and died. And then his son after him, same old, same old. Everybody we read about in Genesis chapter 5, they lived, they had a son, they lived some more, had more children, and they died. But something changes when we get to this portion of scripture that we read here tonight. And we read about a man who was born by the name of Enoch. Now Enoch's life started out just like everybody else's life. He was born to a father. He lived some years, 65 years to be exact. He had a son, but then things change for Enoch. Then the story changes for this man named Enoch. And I want to notice some things about the change that took place in Enoch. I believe the first change that took place, I believe uh, that, that salvation came into Enoch's life. Amen. I believe you still, I still believe you must be born again. Amen. I thank God for the day in my life almost 20 years ago where salvation came and changed my life. Amen. I was just a nine-year-old little boy in the back bedroom 
of a Mill Village house, 2020 First Avenue, Rockmore, Georgia, 30153, and the good Holy Ghost of God met me in my bedroom and absolutely changed my life forever. And I still have not got over that day when God saved me. But something happened in Enoch's life when he, he got saved, if you will. I mean, for 65 years, nothing's really remarkable about his life. It's just the same old humdrum of a life, a same old going through the motions, but something happens when he has this son named Methuselah. Now, I don't know much about it, but I do know that this man, I mean, this name Methuselah meant the judgment of God is coming. I believe that God revealed unto Enoch at the birth of his son that God was about to judge the world. You say, how was he going to judge the world? You just read a few more chapters over, one more chapter over, and you find the story of a man named Noah, and we all know that story well. God sent that flood, and this man named Enoch had a son named Methuselah, and God says, judgment's coming. Isn't that the way the Lord still works today? Before you never get saved, you must be lost, amen. Before you ever get born again, you must realize judgment's coming, amen. 20 years ago, the Lord came to where I was and told me judgment was coming, and just like Enoch did, I did, I called on God, and he saved me that night, amen, and rescued me for the coming judgment. And so we find in the book of uh, Jude that Enoch preached judgment was coming and uh, he tells us that judgment was coming. So we see salvation. We see the salvation in Enoch's life. But then we see the separation in Enoch's life. And I know where I'm at, so thank God. I don't think I'll have to, uh, uh, have to struggle through this point like we do other places. But uh, Enoch had some separation in his life. Amen. And first of all, he had separation unto God. And that is first. Amen. That must be first. If it's not first, all the rest of it will crumble. And this crowd that's uh, dropped their standards, no, they never had any because they never separate unto God first. And first, he's separating unto God and he had to separate from just a and a crowd that was just existing you read the story of Seth and man we talk about Seth and we talk about that great substitute he's a picture of Christ but you know we don't know anything he did with his life you look at the story of Enos and man we can preach about how when Enos was born then men began to begin to call upon the name of the Lord but we don't know anything about Enos's life Go through Canaan and Mahaliel and Jared and we get through all these men we don't know anything about their life. They simply existed. I thought about this, that Adam, I mean the first man of the race, y'all realize after the fall we don't know much else about his life. We don't know anything else about Adam. After chapter four, and he has Seth, we don't read anything else about Adam's life. We don't know anything about him. You don't know anything about Methuselah except he's the man that lived the longest. These men simply exist, and I believe they were good men. I believe they were godly men. The Bible shows us that the line of Seth was that godly line from Adam and how that they called upon the name of the Lord and thank God for that. But you know what? They were just living life. They were just okay being status quo. They were okay being mediocre. They were okay being average. And there's something in my life that God has dealt with me about is I just don't want to be average in my Christian walk. I don't want to be just status quo in my Christian life. You see, in my life before, I always wanted to be above average. In my academics, I wanted to be above average. I didn't want to, I, I did not want to see average on my, on my papers. I didn't want to see average. I didn't want to see below average. I wanted to be the smartest kid 
in the class. Didn't work a lot of times, but I wanted to be, amen. Hey, in my athletics, when I came on the football field in school, I wanted you to remember my name and number and know that I was there. I wanted to be above average. In all parts of my life, I wanted to be above average. And God convicted my heart when I was 20 years old that I was uh, settling for this Christian life. I was settling just being average in my Christian life. I said, Lord, I'm sorry. I'm from here on out, I want to be above average. And today I stand before you tonight uh, and tell you I still want to be above average in my Christian walk. Uh, I just don't want to be existing. Uh, I don't want to live a life. Uh, when I get done, uh, that says he lived, uh, had some children and died. No, friend, I want to make a mark for God. Uh, I want to do something for God. Uh, I want to go further with God. Uh, hey, if we're going to do it, we've got to separate from that existing crown. Amen. You got to separate from that crowd that's okay being average. Hey, find you somebody that's been down the road further than you are. Hey, go find somebody that prays more than you do. Go find somebody that studies their Bible more than you do. Somebody walks cleaner and tighter than you do. Lives cleaner than you do. Hey, that's the crowd you ought to try to run with. Hey, you ought not be running with that crowd that talks about the preaching supper time. Amen. Hey, don't run with that crowd uh, who's a buck and everything going on out at the church house. Get away from that existing crowd. Uh, that crowd that don't want the church to grow uh, that crowd that don't want to go further with God, uh, I get away from that crowd. Amen. It's youth meeting young people. Stay away from that crowd. It may be family because it was in Enoch's life. It was his daddy and his granddaddy, but that crowd didn't want to go further. But Enoch said, I want more. I've got to get away from this crowd. And the Bible said he walked with God. Amen. Separated from an existing crowd. Amen. Get away from that crowd. You know why people just want to exist? Because it's easier to do that. It's easier just to swim downstream. Amen. It's easier just to go through the motions. It's easier just to get in the rut and go. But my friend, it's harder. When this world who has the tag, I mean, we're in the Bible Belt. We're in the greatest parts of America, but still in this area where everybody's supposedly a Christian and everybody's saved, you know, and everybody goes to church. But everybody, but, but it's easier just to go with the motion. It's easier just to go with the flow. But my friend, God wants some people to stand up on a Sunday night and say, I'm not going to go with the flow. I'm not just going to go with the most of this world. I'm going to stand up and be different. I'm going to stand up and get away from that status quo crowd. He separated unto God away from that existing crowd, but then he separated from the world from an evil crowd. See, the same time Seth's children are having children, big brother Cain's children are having children. And Cain is, of course, the ungodly seed. He's ungodly line. And Cain's line has always been messed up. And so Cain's line is having children. It's amazing to me. I, I noticed this as I was studying out these genealogies that Enoch is the seventh generation from Adam through the line of Seth. That's Enoch. You go the seventh generation from the line of Adam through Cain and you find a man named Lamech. Now I'm not going to labor these, these points here, but I just thought it was interesting to note. This is the crowd that's living around Enoch's day. See, a lot of times, young people, you get this mindset. Uh, when we read the Bible, these people had it easier than we do. Sometimes we get the mindset that, well, it just it wasn't the same for them. See, they, it was easier for them to walk with God or it was easier for them to live for God. It was easier for Enoch to maybe go against the grain or whatever. We think that sometimes that these people were living in heaven almost and it was just so easy. But friend, they had trouble. They had to get away from crowds too and they had evil, evil going on around them too. We find this man named Lamech and he's the first man in our Bible who had two wives at the same time. 
I, I got one. And she's in the nursery right now with our three-week-old. Hey, I don't know what in the world's wrong with a man want two. Why? Why would a man want two mother-in-laws? Amen. Thank y'all for laughing. That's getting tight. All right. Amen. You know what he said, though? Lamech said, God, I don't care what you say about marriage. See, when Jesus started talking about marriage, remember when the Pharisees tried to trip Jesus up about marriage? He didn't go to Mosaic Law. He went to the garden. And these people knew what, what the law in the garden was about marriage. They knew what the law of God was in the beginning about one man and one wife. And Lamech said, God, I don't care what you say about marriage. Doesn't that sound like the day and hour we're living in? The political correct crowd calls it cohabitation. Where I'm from, we still call it shacking up, amen. And God's still against that, amen. Hey, listen, young man, you're not buying an automobile and you're not buying a house when you get a wife, friend, and you don't need to do no test driving, amen. Hey, my friend, uh, hey, listen, it's still one man, one woman for one life. God's plan for marriage is still right. We're living a day and hour where it's okay if a man wants to marry a man. A woman wants to marry a woman. I mean, look, a man go marry his dog if he wants to. What are we coming to? And next thing we know, a pedophile be trying to marry an underage minor. Listen, you think, you say I'm crazy for thinking that. No, we're headed in that direction, friend. We're living in a generation that's God. We don't care what you say about marriage. We're living with some young people, even church young people say, God, I don't care what you say about marriage. I live like I want to. I'll do what I want to do, Lord. I know I'm supposed to save myself from marriage, but God, I'm going to do, I'm going to live like I want to live. You go ahead and sow your wild oats, young person. Hey, you'll reap what you sow, and that's a New Testament principle right there. Hey, whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. Amen. And so he had two wives. I spent too much time on that. He said, God, I don't care what you say about marriage. But then he's the second man in our Bible who committed murder. Cain's the first and Lamech's the second. Now, there may have been somebody between there, but in our Bible, it's the second man we read about. You know what Lamech said about it? If he forgave Cain, he'll have to forgive me too. Now, he wasn't, he wasn't asking God for forgiveness. And he wasn't, be- and this is why I thought about that. He, he said, God, I don't care what you say about mercy. I don't care what you say about mercy. If you forgave him, you've got to forgive me. Isn't that the crowd we have around today? Well, if they could get by with it, I can too. If they can get by with it, I'll get by with it. If they can give forgiveness for it, I'll give forgiveness. Some of you young people, listen to these older people who maybe have a testimony. They got out of the will of God and they lived a, a wild life and they lived a, a riotous life and then God saved them and, and thank God for that. Thank God for second chances. And some of you sit on the pew and you think, well, if God did that for them, then I can go do my own thing and God will do it for me. Hey, who says you don't get snuffed out early? Who says you don't lose your life early? Hey, everybody don't make it back. Everybody don't get in. I remember the young group I was in. There was 20 of us young people every Sunday morning. And now, I'm not bragging, but there's only one left serving God. Hey, everybody don't make it back. Everybody don't get a second chance. Hey, you better live for God now. Amen. So he said, I don't care what you say about uh, marriage. I don't care what you say about mercy. I don't care what you say about murder. And we can talk about that. We're living in a day and hour where people don't uh, care what God says about life and death. But I don't want to deal with that, but I just want to say he's separated from an evil crowd. And you'll have to separate from an evil crowd if you're going to go on with God, if you're going to do more for God, if you're going to be above average for God. But real quickly, I see some things here, and I'll get out of the way, but I see some things in these verses. As I thought about Enoch walking with God, I thought about what, what did he experience? I mean, think about that. The Bible says he walked with God 300 years. The idea behind that phrase, walk with God, is that every day 
He put his sandals on. Every day, he grabbed his rod. He walked out the door and said, all right, God, where are we going today? Every day for three, not, not 300 days, not 300 months. That'd been a long time. But for 300 years, every day, without missing a day, he walked with God. I thought, what did he experience? And this is not going to be deep. And, and you're, gonna be like, you're not going to walk out and say, wow, man, I never saw that before. But just some simple things that he saw and experienced when he walked with God that I want to experience in my life and that I want to have in my life. Number one, he experienced the presence of God in his life. Does your Bible say he walked with God? Does it say in verse 24, and ain't it walked with God? Who was he walking with then? He's walking with God, amen. He literally uh, knew something about the presence uh, of God in his life. If there's anything missing in 2017, is people don't know anything uh, about the presence of God in their life. Uh, some of you in here, uh, you watch some of these old timers getting the glory. Uh, you watch some of these other people getting the glory and getting the presence of God, but you don't know anything about getting the presence of God in your own personal life. You don't know anything about meeting with God in the private place and meeting with God in the secret place and letting him speak to you and you speak to him and really knowing something about the presence of God in your life. Oh, it changes. It'll change your life. I'm talking about every day. I mean, really, literally walking with God, having the presence of Almighty God. It, it amazes me that God wants that out of us. You know, it blows my mind that God would invite us into the throne room. I mean, that just blows my mind that he would even invite us. It blows my mind that he would make access for us to get there. But you know what really, this really just, I mean, this bum puzzles me, if you will. I mean, just really uh, just shakes me up is that he wants to be with us. That he wants us to be in his presence. I, I mean, the God of all heaven, of the God who created the universe, of the God who saved us, wants something to do with me. I just cannot fathom that, that he wants me to get in his presence and he wants to be in my presence. Oh, I thank God that he allows us to get in his presence every day. I'm glad this morning when I woke up I was able to get in the presence of God. I'm glad he's there waiting on us and we'll just come to him. Enoch knew something about the presence of God. I thought about the name, one of the names of Jesus is Emmanuel. God with us. One of his last promises before he left was, Lo, I'll be with you always, even until the end of the world. I mean, thank God that he's with us. Don't you realize this morning or this evening that it's more than just religion we've got. We've got a relationship with Almighty God and we can know something about the real, tangible presence of God in our life. He didn't do something about it. I'm talking about going further with God. I'm talking about being more than just an average Christian. I'm talking about being more than just status quo. Sometimes we forget, hey, we ought to shout about this, that it is level ground at Calvary. Amen. It is level ground at Calvary. Amen. It's a whosoever will. Hey, thank God it's for the rich and the poor, the white and the black. Thank God for the king and the pauper. It's level ground at Calvary, but it's not level ground at the judgment seat. 
there's going to be winners and losers on that day. And everybody ain't getting a trophy. Amen. Just because you's on the team. Amen. And listen, I want to get there and I want to have mine. I want to win. Amen. I want to get some trophies. I want to get some crowns. Not because I can walk around and brag about them. You know that. I'm a quick, though we have something to give him on that day, on coronation day, we can ground him. Hey, but I want to have something to give back to him. I want to be a winner in this life. I want to be above average. I want to be above the status quo in my life. I believe there's some people on a Sunday night at Bible Baptist Church. You want to go further than a you are now. You want to go down the road further. You want to get above that. There's some young people here, no doubt, that you want to do more for God than get in the presence of God right now. Amen. He knew something about the presence of God in his life, but he knew something about the peace of God in his life. The Bible said in Amos chapter 3, verse 3, how can two walk together except they be agreed? Every day Enoch and God walk together. And how in the world could that have took place if Enoch when all stayed right with God. If there had ever came a point in its life where something got crossways with him and God, now it wouldn't have been God's fault. Amen. It wouldn't have been God's fault. It would have been Enoch's fault. But obviously for 300 years, Enoch kept a clear line with God. If they'd ever come anything against him and God, they would have been able to walk together. Amos 3.3, how can two walk together? I can't understand this crowd. Claims they're walking with this worldly crowd trying to reach them. I'm for reaching the world with the gospel. Amen. I'm for visitation. I'm so for it. I'm so for it. We do it every Saturday. Amen. Thank God y'all do it too. Amen. We're for that. But listen, you can't hang around that crowd and not be agreeing with them. Because you start if you start disagreeing with them about some things, and a lost person used to disagree with some things. Amen. They're not gonna hang around long. Amos 3.3, 3. I listen, look it up. If two, how can two walk together except they be the Greek? God's asking the question, how can that happen? It can't. And how can Enoch and God walk together except they be agreed? He knew something about the peace of God. You know why a lot of us don't go further with God? Because we don't have, the, we don't have peace with God. We don't have the peace of God in our life because we've got something between us and God. Because we're ashamed to walk out of the house every morning. We're ashamed to get in the secret place because we know what's going to happen first. It's not going to be old lovey-dovey. It's going to be some chastisement. We're afraid to get in there and, and get in there and confess our sin to God. We're afraid to walk with God because we know that it's going to mean some separation. It's going to mean not just separation from other people, but separation from things in your own life. I wish I could go back to the days, early days of my Christian life when I could lay stuff on the altar, physically lay stuff on the altar, like dip cans and, 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 and red man bags, hello, and CDs and all that other stuff. But now it's, now it's a place where I can't grab those things out and put them on the altar. Those things that keep peace with God, that peace of God, those things God has to surgically remove from me. And we get in the presence of God, we ought to let him do some surgery on us. Get get those things out of us that are in us, that are holding us back from going further with God. Some are afraid to go further with God because they're scared of what God might ask out of them. See, Enoch wasn't worried about that. I don't know everything about Enoch, and you don't either, but Enoch walked with God every single day for 300 years. Obviously, if he was walking with God, he couldn't have been walking with that other crowd. There were some people he had to neglect. There were some people that he had to say, you know what, you know, y'all are good folk and everything, but God's a lot more important to me that maybe there was a career that he had to get rid of. I don't know what all happened in Enoch's life, but he had to obviously neglect some things in his life to be able to walk with God every day for 300 years. He had peace with God. He experienced the peace of God. He experienced the presence of God. But then, 
I want you to notice something. I'll be wrapping up here in just a second. Look at, if you take your Bible to Hebrews chapter number 11. I got a handful of folks with me from my church, and so y'all don't go back and tell them I preach real short, okay? If it gets out, I know who to come after. Amen? Hebrews chapter 11. But I, I really, I think this is, this is the message right here. Hebrews chapter 11, verse number 5. I want to go further with God, and I think you do too. And I want to know something about the presence of God. I want to know something about peace with God on a daily basis. But then I want to know something about the pleasure of God. Amen. Verse number 5. By faith, Enoch was translated that he should not see death. And he was not, uh, <clears throat> that he should not, and he was not found because God had translated him. Watch this. For before his translation, he had this testimony that he pleased God. What a testimony. What a testimony. Now listen, this is not Enoch saying this about himself. This is not even Enoch's children and grandchildren. And, and I want my grandchildren and, and children to think high of me. And I want them to think I'm a godly man and all that. But listen, this is way down the road. And I don't necessarily, I don't know who wrote this. And we all got our opinions about it. But we just really don't know. But I know God wrote it. Amen. He's the author. And the Holy Ghost grabbed that pen writer's hand. And he said, I want you to write a book about faith. I want you to list some people that had faith, some men and some women who lived by faith and did some great things by faith and all this. But when you write that about Enoch, write about that translation. Oh, that's a whole other message. We could shout about that. Thank God we're going to be translated one day. And that picture of the rapture of the church. But he said, right before you close that verse, I want everybody that reads this from here on out to understand one thing about Enoch. He pleased me. He pleased me. Who are you pleasing this evening. Who is it you're striving to please with your life? Some of you are maybe trying to please your parents and that's well and good but there's got to come a time where it's got to be more than just mom and daddy. You're trying to please your pastor and that's good but there's got to come a time where it's more than just pleasing the preacher. There's got to come a time where it's just you wanting to please God and living a life that he, not you, not somebody else but that God himself would say about you, you pleased him. I mean think about it. It pleased God. If anybody, if anybody could find some dirt on Enoch it would have been God. Now let's take out the equation that he's God and he knows everything about all of us. Let's just think about it in the sense that he walked with Enoch every day for 300 years. You know who knows the most dirt about me? That little woman back there that I live with every day. She's with me every day. If anybody could find some dirt on Will Allen, it'd be her. Now y'all don't hem her up in the corner after church, all right? But she would know, she knows me better than anybody. If anybody knew Enoch, it was, the, it was the one who walked with him every day, Amen. talked with him every day, knew the deepest secrets of Enoch's life. I understand he's God. He knows that about all of us. I understand that. But just think of the sense of walking 300 days, I mean, 300 years every day. God, if any, God could have wrote anything he wanted to about Enoch. God could have told us anything he wanted to about any, but what he chooses to tell us is that he pleased me. His testimony was that he pleased God. Can I ask you, if you were to leave this walk of life tonight, would God be able to say that about you? Oh, I'm afraid tonight that I stand here and God would not be able to say that about me, that God would not be able to write in his book of remembrance that will Allen please him. Oh, but I want to please him. Oh, I want to live a life that please 
please him all of him alive when I leave this wall that God says that boy right there pleased me. I want, I want to live a life where God gets around the banister of heaven and says, hey, y'all come look at here. There's a boy right there pleasing me. I want my church to be a church that God gets over the banister of heaven and says, look right there, there's a band of people that's pleasing me. Hey, I want my family to be a family. God says, that's a family that pleases me. But I'm afraid right now, if right now was to happen, if right now all that was to take place, God would say right now, that boy's not pleasing me like he should be. I think if we all be honest, and I know there's a bunch of lying preachers, but I think you ought to be honest, amen. Thank God you ought to be honest. And I'm telling you what, I know there's a long way, there's a long way down the road I need to be. There's a lot further down the road that I should be right now. And I want to please God with my life. And it may not please man, it doesn't. It doesn't please the family most of the time. It don't make, they don't make, it does not make sense to them. I can tell you my testimony and the things that I uh, give up and the thing, the career that I left and all that stuff to go full time in the ministry and all, and my family still to this day does not understand what in the world you were thinking, doing all that. But listen to me, it's not about pleasing them. It's not even about pleasing my church members. It's not about pleasing even my wife and kids, but it's about pleasing God with my life. Whatever it is he wants out of my life, that's what I want. And Enoch experienced that. Well, Here's the question. How do we please God? Verse number six of Hebrews 11 says, but without faith, it is impossible to please him. Simple as that. Without faith, it is impossible to please him. Without living by faith, it is impossible. Not because I said so, because your King James Bible just said it's impossible to please God. But I do all this other stuff. Yeah, but without faith, it's impossible to please God. Yeah, but I'm, I'm on all these committees at the church. But without faith, it's impossible. But I do this at the school, and I do this at the Bible college, and I do this and this and this and all this other stuff. But without faith, it's impossible to please God. But preacher, you don't know my family and how good we live and clean we live. But without faith. But without faith, it's impossible. To please him. And I don't know about you tonight, but I want to please God. Amen. And I want to know something about the presence of God in my life. And I want to have peace. with. Uh, I know the peace with God came at salvation, but you know there's a daily peace with God. We got to align with God. We don't have peace with him at that moment. Right. We got to align with him, but I want to live that way. And I believe Enoch lived that way. What do you want your testimony to be? Yeah. You lived and died? You lived and died? Or do you want the Holy Ghost to say something about you that, that, that you made a mark for him. We've got this false humility in the church a lot of times. You know, we've got this false humility. Well, I just don't want nobody to know me. I just want to sit back and listen. I understand. I, I'm not saying, you may have said that today. I don't know. And you've been that with a pure heart. And listen, it's not about being famous and having a spotlight on you, but it's about doing something for God. It's about doing something and not for a recognition for yourself, for your church, but doing something for recognition of God and letting God get the glory out of your life and letting God use you. And because God wants to use you, every single one of you here this uh, evening, God wants to use. You say, you don't know me, preacher. Yeah, but you're breathing, ain't you? If God only wanted to save you, you know what he'd have done? He'd have saved you and killed you. He'd have took you right out, right when he saved you, but he left you here for a purpose and God's got something for you to do. How about we get decided this? Why don't we decide tonight in this service 
Maybe you've already decided a long time ago. Maybe you just want to remind yourself. Maybe God's reminding you tonight. But maybe some of you for the first time need to decide, hey, I want to, I want to be above average in my Christian life. I want to, my, our theme this year at our church is going the second mile. Maybe you want to say, I want to go the second mile Amen. with God. I want to have a walk that counts with God. I don't know where you're at this, this evening. I don't know. You may be lost. I don't know. I don't know what your situation is. But the night could be the night that God changes your life forever. Maybe a young man here dealing with the call of ministry. I don't know. Maybe a young lady here, God's asking you, he's asking you to give up some things or surrender some part of your life or whatever. Maybe there's some adults in here in the situation that you're trying to seek God's will for your life. And God's dealt with your heart tonight. And you want to say, God, I want to go further with you. I want to go further with you. Let's all stand, heads bowed, and eyes closed. I don't know. That's my heart, preacher. That's my heart, preacher.